Father and our God, we bow before you, ascribing to you all praise, all glory, all honor. We know that heaven rings with your praise. The angels sing that you are holy, you are holy, you are holy. And we want to lift our hearts. We want to worship you today. For you alone are God. There is no other. We bow before you and ask that you would quiet our hearts now, that we would be able to hear your spirit speak to us. The words that we open from this book of Hebrews, you penned so that we could read, so that we could learn, so that we could grow. We ask that by your spirit you would write them onto our hearts now so that when we walk out of this room in a few minutes, we will walk out ready to be obedient to you. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue in the book of Hebrews, and as we open our Bibles, I want us to begin by trying to say together, some of us recite together, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. I hope you're working on these during the week. I hope you're finding a way in your quiet time or as you drive in the car or wherever to review these verses together. But Let's just say them together. They'll be on the screen if they're not in your hearts yet, but hopefully soon they'll be in our hearts and we'll all be able to just quote them together. Let's, let's say them together, including the reference, just so that the reference sticks in our minds, okay? So all together. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Then 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 17 and 18. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. For as we look to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The things that are unseen are eternal. And that's why as we began to unpack Hebrews chapter 11, one of the first lessons we learned from those first three verses is that faith sees what is unseen because what is unseen is actually more real. It is far more eternal. What is seen is a transient thing. It gives us a picture of the reality that is unseen. As we walked through Hebrews chapter 11, we've learned a lot of amazing things. We, we saw in the lives of some of those earliest saints from the very beginning of the book of Genesis that faith impacts every single area of life. It's not just that we become believers by putting our faith in Jesus Christ and we trust Him as our Savior. Faith impacts our work. It impacts our worship. It impacts our walk. Every single aspect of life, every moment of our life needs to be a moment of faith. We saw that faith always looks forward. 
Abraham was looking forward to that city whose builder is God, has a strong, firm foundation, and we are always to be looking forward. We saw that faith has to be exemplified in our lives if we are going to be leaders, and it changes our identity. And today we see something fascinating. In three little tiny verses, we have three pictures lifted from the Old Testament that, re that tell us that faith is not just an individual act. Faith is individual in that each of us need to have faith. Each of us needs to come to Christ by faith. Our parents can't do that for us. Our spouse can't do that for us. Our friends can't do that for us. We believe on Jesus Christ. We personally ask Him to forgive us for our sins. But faith is also a community act, a church place where all of us together hold to the same faith. And as we walk towards challenges in life, we walk together in that faith. I need to be honest with you, I had never seen this truth until I was studying for this, these three verses this week. In fact, I was so shocked that I thought maybe I am totally off base, and so I went to some other commentaries of very respected people who most of, now are in, most of them are now in glory, and I was stunned that they said the same thing, but they, they didn't go into depth. They just said, well, notice this. It seems to me this is the central message of these three verses. So, if you have your Bibles, if you would open them, we always want to have Bibles open in front of us. I realize for some of you that means a phone. I'm still trying to get used to that, but it's okay. The page numbers are on the, on the screen if you are using one of the Bibles in the pew in front of you. Let me just read verses 29 to 31. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. And by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Faith together. God works mightily for His glory and for our good when we walk in faith together. All three of these verses talk about corporate faith, where a group of people needed to walk in faith together, and as they did, God did mighty things for His glory and for their good. Let's look at just the first verse. We're going to take them one by one. In the first verse, we see Red Sea faith. When faith confronts a natural obstacle like the Red Sea, and we have no way through, faith together enables God to work in powerful, amazing ways. Verse 29, by faith the people, it's plural, that's the subject, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, the second subject, a corporate group of people, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. When faith confronts natural barriers, natural obstacles, 
God's people together walk by faith. Imagine that night. This story is told us back in the book of Exodus. But imagine that night. It's getting dark. The Israelites have been led by this pillar of cloud. They have come right up to this Red Sea, and now they can hear the thunder in their, in their ears of an Egyptian army, the strongest army in the world, making its way towards them. They can hear the chariot's wheels going through the sand. They can hear the thud of the, the, the chariot horses. They can see, as they look back, the, sto- the storm clouds of dust starting to rise. And then this cloud that has been leading them shifts behind them, turns into a pillar of fire. The darkness settles, and this pillar of fire s- separates the Egyptians from the Hebrews. But the Hebrews are trapped. Behind them are Egyptians. In front of them is an uncrossable, impenetrable Red Sea. And then we're told that Moses prays, and God says to him, stretch out your staff across the waters. And as he does, an east wind begins to blow. It would have been blowing right into the faces of the Israelites as they look at that Red Sea. This huge wind blows, but it's not a wind everywhere. It's like a funnel wind, and it separates the, the waters, and all of a sudden they can see the bottom of the Red Sea, and the waters are towering on either side. But here is the faith, and the people crossed the Red Sea. Their initial terror and fear had to be overcome by faith, and every single one of them had to walk into that seabed. Imagine mothers carrying infants, holding on to their little children with their hands, saying, don't run far from me. The faith of those mothers as they took their children into that sea. Water piled on both sides. It would have been terrifying. They had faith. Imagine the aged seniors possibly stumbling along, shuffling their feet with a cane, wondering if they could possibly get to the other side with all of the children running around them, jostling them. Am I going to make it? They had faith. All of them corporately had faith, and they went into that sea. By faith, verse 29, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. That doesn't mean it was perfectly dry, but they crossed as if it was perfectly dry because of their faith. But the Egyptians, you can imagine the Egyptians coming, that cloud and that pillar of fire is following the Israelites. As the Israelites cross the Red Sea, the Egyptians see this opened thing, and they, they decide this is a phenomenon of nature. Somehow the wind has funneled down into this little crevasse and pushed the water aside. They can do it, we can do it, and they run in. They do not have faith. Or maybe they credited it to their pantheon of gods. They said, our gods have opened this water just to trap the Israelites. We're going to go in and get them. Whatever their belief was, they did not believe in Yahweh. We know that. 
And because they did not have faith, as they get into the middle, their chariot wheels get stuck in the mud, and the water falls on top of all of them. They drown. Faith together. God does mighty things for His glory and for our good when we have faith together. What's stunning is the book of Exodus tells us that just shortly after this, the Israelites have gone to Mount Sinai. They have seen the power of God, the glory of God descending on that mountain. They have received the law from Moses. And then God leads them with this pillar of cloud up to the promised land. And Moses sends in 12 spies. The spies come back with an amazing report. This land is filled with food that you can't believe. It is flowing with milk and honey. The grapes, look at these grapes we brought back. We've never seen anything like this. But it's also filled with huge people and with huge cities that have massive walls around them. There's no way we can take this land. Two of those spies, Joshua and Caleb, say, trust the Lord. The Lord can do it. They had faith. There was leader faith with Joshua and Caleb. Moses, we're told, pleads with God and with the people. Please help them to have faith. But the people had to have faith, and they would not. The people chose not to believe. And what happened? They spent the rest of their lives wandering in the wilderness, and they all died there. You see, faith together is also what God is looking for. Not just the faith of individuals, but He's looking for His people to walk together with faith. And when we do, God does amazing things for His glory and amazing things for our good. The first recipients of this letter to the Hebrews, remember they were probably second-generation Christians, they are mostly Jewish believers, and they had a reason to hear this message. We've just heard in chapter 10, verses 23, 24, 25, that some of them have stopped meeting together. Why? Because persecution is increasing against them. Opposition is increasing against anyone who follows this man named Jesus. And so they are beginning to hide and say, I'll be a follower of Jesus. I'm just going to do it secretly. I don't want to collect, collectively join with those people because then I'll be identified with them and I could be thrown in jail. I could have all of my possessions taken away. They begin to hide and the Holy Spirit has said to them in chapter 10, don't forsake assembling together. You must assemble together. They needed to know that faith together is a critical part of God's working in the world. He works powerfully for His glory and for their good when they have faith together, not just one by one, separate. We walk by faith too when we face natural obstacles. The church today is not exempt. How can we do that? Well, right now, as we know, the Middle East is in tremendous turmoil. Our church has recently sent multiple people, by the way, all of them singles, to serve our God in that part of the world. 
together by faith, are we supporting them and trusting that God will preserve them and equip them to be a witness for Jesus Christ in a prime time for people to hear hope when no one has hope? You know, we can just pray individually and we can say, well, God, I hope that they're safe. But are we walking by faith together so that God will unleash His power through their lives because they are part of us? We have sent them. By faith, we have seen God do some amazing things. By faith, during the time of COVID, when a lot of churches said, we're not going to get together, we're not going to meet, we're too frightened, we began meeting. And our faith together, we prayed, Lord, please do not allow this assembly to be a place where COVID spreads. And this never became a mass spreading place. We have to walk by faith. By faith, recently, we called a, a new worship pastor from another country, from Brazil, and there was a lot of concern. Are we really going to be able to get a visa for somebody from Brazil? It is so chaotic trying to get visas legally. You know, you walk around across the border, that's one thing, but you're going to try and get it legally. It's so hard. But by faith, we began to pray that God would open the doors, and God opened the doors in phenomenal ways, and they have their visas. We are to walk by faith always. We have a challenge in front of us that we've mentioned a couple times since our, our annual celebration, a challenge that we're facing as a church right now, a natural obstacle that relates to our budget. Inflation in this country is making a budget for a family of believers like ours a challenge. Our utility bills have skyrocketed. The bills to pay for basic maintenance in this building that God has blessed us with have skyrocketed. And for many of us, our salaries have not skyrocketed at the same way. So together, as we walk by faith, can we walk by faith that God has called us to serve Him in this place, and He will provide? And we've, we've asked everyone, can you, can you give $20 more per month than you did last year? Can we walk by faith? You see, it's faith together that moves God to do mighty things for His glory, not just when we have individual faith, but when we walk together by faith. Look at the very next verse. This is Jericho faith. Verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they, again a plural, all of them, all of the people of Israel, after they had encircled this, the walls for seven days. It's the people of Israel as a collective group that walked around those walls for seven days, repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. It wasn't just Joshua. It wasn't just the priests. It wasn't just an elite group of men who were going to be the, the, the special forces. All the people gather and walk around this city every single day for seven days. And notice it's after they had done that for seven days, that the walls fell. These walls were seen to be impregnable. They were massive. It was actually a double wall around Jericho at the time. 
the, the lower wall, the retaining wall as it's called, was 12 to 15 feet high made of stone. On top of that wall, there was another wall that was six feet thick, and it was about 25 feet tall. So you put that together. You had a wall that was 40 to 45 feet tall, six feet thick. They had no way to break through. Beyond that, going up a hill 45 feet higher than that first wall is a second wall. And that wall was, was massive in size, so, build, so big that they could build houses into it. God's plan to take this city was not very conventional. God doesn't work the way we do, does he? There were no battering rams. They did not build siege ramps to go over the wall. God said, I want you to walk around the city in silence, don't talk, for six days. Can you imagine how embarrassing that would have been? So we're taking a stroll around the city. You can imagine the people in Jericho just ridiculing them shouting and laughing at them, probably throwing things at them. God says, walk around in silence for six days. On the seventh day, walk six times, then a seventh time, and then the priests will blow a ram's horn, and when the ram's horn blows, you finally have permission to shout. And when they do, the walls come down. Corporately, all of the Israelites had to be in on this with faith. They all had to believe. You couldn't have some saying, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm not going to be so stupid. No nation, no country has ever won a war by something so stupid as this. No, they all had to walk by faith. And as they did, that faith together toppled the walls. But again, we have an amazing depiction in the history that Joshua gives us of the very next city they confront, a little city called Ai. And Joshua sends some spies to that city, and the spies come back, and they say, this is, this is a simple one. You don't even need to send the people, just two, three thousand men. It'll, it will take care of it. Joshua sends out his advance force as it was, sort of like an expeditionary force, and they are chased away from the city. They are hounded all the way back to the campground, and 36 of them die. Why? Because there's one man, together with his family, who broke faith. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1 says, Achan broke faith. He did not stand in faith with the rest of the people. How did he break faith? Because he was thinking about himself, not what God was going to do. When, he had, when they had gone into Jericho, they were told to destroy everything. Everything belonged to God, not them. But he saw a bar of gold that looked just too good. He saw a beautiful cloak that was something like he had never seen in his time wandering around the wilderness. He had never seen anything like that. And there was some silver on top of it all. He brought it home, hid it under, his, under the floor of his tent, 
when he broke faith with his family, 36 Israelites died. You see, God was looking for together faith. God was looking for the whole people of Israel to walk together in obedience and trust. When one family said no, it brought harm to everyone. Can that happen today? It happens today. When you have a church where God has called the church to walk in obedience and faith together, but one small group of people says, we're not going to do it that way. We don't like that. And they sit aside and they won't, they won't participate and they won't. What happens? Where God wants to take the whole church, it can't go because he's looking for together faith. There's a church that's been in the news in the last few years in a very important city in our nation. Very big, very influential church. The leadership of that church believed that they did not represent their community and said, we need to begin to reach all the people in this community. We need to reach this community. The demographics of the church began to change radically. And there were some of the people who had been in that church for a long time who said, wait a minute, you guys are, this is our church. And these new leaders are changing our church. This isn't the way we want our church to be. They actually began passing out leaflets in the foyer against the leaders of the church, that this church is changing too much. And what God wanted to do in that church has been radically stymied by a small group of people who would not walk in faith. God wants together faith. He wants us to walk together. We live in a world that is increasingly setting up man-made barriers like those walls. Man-made barriers such as you can't do business, business ethically, you're just not going to be competitive. Man-made barriers like, well, everyone, be, everyone talks this way. So in our school, Southfield Christian School, when we try to hold a high standard of words that are used among students, you get pushback from parents and people saying, well, no, 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 hey, the whole world, don't, don't, don't be so archaic in your… We are called to walk together by faith against man-made barriers, doing what God has called us to do regardless of what society says to us. Our society increasingly says, don't share your faith with people. It's fine if you believe that. Just keep it to yourself. And yet God has called us to be salt and light. Will we do that together? Not just a few of us in this congregation, but all of us constantly sharing Christ, walking together by faith. It was about 12 years ago that after spending six months in prayer, the elders of this church believed that God was calling us to do something which seems to go against all of church planting best practices. 
Best practices of church planting say you should go to an area where new, new communities are being built, where people are building homes, where there aren't churches yet. People are going to go out there. They're going to build houses. They're going to look for a new church. You plant a church there. You're going to grow like crazy. And it's best if it's homogeneous, if sort of all of that people are sort of similar because they'll get along really well together. And our elders in prayer felt like, no, God is saying you stay right here in this corner of Southfield, Michigan, and start to represent my kingdom and reach this community. Brothers and sisters, that is very anti-best practice. But as we walk together by faith, we see God beginning to start to work in amazing ways. It's faith together that God is looking for. Then we have one more example in that last verse, and at first it looks like it's an individual, Rahab, until you go back to the book of Joshua and you read the story there. Verse 31, by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. This was not just Rahab's faith. If we go back and and read in Joshua chapter 2, this was Rahab's family's faith. This was family faith, confronting societal pressures. Everybody in the city was saying, do it this way. Rahab and her family said, no, we will do it God's way. Rahab was a Gentile. Rahab was a harlot, a prostitute. Rahab's house was built into the wall. Shows you how massive these walls were. But when the spies were sent into Jericho, Rahab welcomed them. And this is what she says, Joshua chapter 2, verse 9. I know that the Lord has given you the land. There's her faith. And that the fear of you has fallen upon us. She's representing the city now. And all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. They had heard, you read the following verses. Rahab says, we've heard how God delivered you through the Red Sea from Egypt. And we've just heard how you guys have defeated two really powerful kings on the other side of the Jordan, on the eastern side. And everybody is terrified about you guys. But Rahab's fear was overcome by faith. That's one of the things we've seen about faith. Chapter 2 and verse 11 of Joshua, Rahab says, As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. There was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, and listen to her faith, the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. That is powerful because the people in Jericho and the people in Canaan believed that gods were local gods. You had a God of my city. I had a Baal of my city and a Baal of your city. And everybody had their own gods. And there might be a God of a storm and a God of the fire and a God of the rain, but they were just localized. And what does she say about the God of Israel? He's the God of everything in heaven and everything on earth. She has moved from a place of fear to a place of faith. And then Rahab asks, when you invade Jericho, will you spare me and my family? And it's fascinating what the spies tell her. Let me just read it from Joshua chapter 2. 
You also have dealt kindly with my father's house, she says, so please give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, everyone who belongs to them and deliver their lives from death. She's begging for her family. The, the spies respond this way. When we come into the land, you must tie this scarlet cord into the window through which you are going to let us down. And you must gather together into your house, your father, your mother, your brothers, your sisters, all of your father's household. If any of them goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head. What does that mean? Her whole family had to come into that house. She had to tell them, Here, here's, here's what we've got to do. Nobody leaves. Can you imagine when the walls start crumbling down and everyone is frightened? If anyone in her house loses faith and runs out, the walls are tumbling. They are in the wall. Their house is in the wall. If any of them say, this is dangerous, we got to get out of here, they will die. It was family faith. They stayed together. They believed together, and her whole family was saved. What's beautiful is God's glory is so amazing in this. He is so kind to this family, and he even has Rahab become a part of the line of David, Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy, verse 5, and even an ancestor of Jesus. She's a prostitute. She's a Gentile. But she and her whole family put faith in Yahweh. Family faith. Boy, today there are pressures against our families, aren't there? We have to walk by faith when everybody in society, everybody in our town says you're crazy. Our families are confronted today by mind-bending indoctrination from our society about evolution. That's the only way that's right. It's the only way the world could have come into being. Are we as families ready to stand together by faith that God created everything out of nothing? Our society is indoctrinating people about gender fluidity. Are we as families ready to stand together by faith that God created male and female in His image, regardless of what our society says? Our families are pressured today that you should be able to sacrifice unborn children in the name of women's rights. Are we as families ready to stand for the fact that God creates children in the womb and they are made in His image? It doesn't matter how forceful society may push against our families. God is looking for family faith that confronts societal obstacles. Faith together moves God to, to act in ways that bring Him phenomenal glory and always for our good. Red Sea faith, faith that confronts natural obstacles and says, but God, you are bigger. Jericho faith, faith that confronts man-made obstacles and says, but we will do it your way, God. Family faith that stands against all of the pressures of the town and the society and says, as a family, together, we choose to follow you. 
Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that faith is not just one by one. It is that. You call every one of us individually to put our faith in you, but faith then becomes something we do together. And I pray for our families that are, that are facing tremendous pressures from society, from neighbors, from towns, from schools. Help us to stand faithful to you in your word. And for our church, Father, in the face of so many obstacles, whether they are natural obstacles like inflation and things like that, or whether they are man-made obstacles, Help us not to be divided. Help us not to separate into pockets and say, this is what I think, and I'm not going to walk with everyone else. Help us to simply follow you together in faith so that you can do great things for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.